Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody? I'm Tom Piccolo, and this is A Lot of Basketball. I'm joined today by Jake Storiali out in Denver and Chris Fujimoto in Philly. Guys, what's happening? Yes, Tom. Not a lot. Good evening, I'm, gentlemen. I'm excited. I was raving, raving to you guys how I'm getting into cardio for the first time ever because my the treadmill at the gym I go to has solitaire on it. So I've, I've just been playing solitaire and going ham. I was on there for 70 minutes. Never done cardio in my life. Now, are you good at solitaire? Like, I never knew you to play cards. Terrible. That's the crazier part. I stand on there and lose at solitaire for 70 minutes, and it's the highlight of my day. So that's that's been a lot of basketball. We'll see you next uh, week. You're so damn competitive. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been, Tom? Hey, man, no complaints. No complaints. You know, still still doing my, my four hours a day commuting. But, uh, you know, I, just, I, just, I also play a lot of solitaire, I got to say. So, you know, this, this has been a lot of solitaire. <laughs> it's, a solitaire. <laughs> it's a solitaire day. Yeah, you, guys are in, you guys are in for a real treat. Us talking about a game you can play by yourself. Fuj, any solitaire on your end, or what have you been up to? Big solitaire guy, but... Now that I know you can do it on the treadmill, that's it's a game changer. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. We have no excuses to not work out anymore. Before it was always like, guys, I can't work out. I, I gotta play solitaire, but the game has changed. I I think hasn't changed. I think we're ready for TV now that we're cardio guys. I wasn't ready, mm. but if you're if you're watching this, if we have a YouTube of this, I look like I'm literally covered. It looks like the biggest rainstorm ever is constantly over me. I'm disgusting right now. Which leads us into... <laughs> yeah, no arguments on this end. You look like you're covered in something. But well, let's get into this. The, the big news of today, we're taping this on a Tuesday night. It's November 7th. And uh, yeah, the big news today was the Eric Bledsoe trade reported by Adrian Wojnarowski and my, my guy, Zach Lowe from ESPN. Um. Yeah, so Eric Bledsoe, point guard for the Phoenix Suns, traded to the Milwaukee Bucks for Greg Monroe and a first pick. So first question for you guys is, uh, we'll start with the, the less interesting part. How'd the Suns make out? I, I think they did the best they could. You know, it was kind of a lose-lose situation because once Eric Bledsoe told them he wanted out, the trade market kind of, you know, nosedived for them. I know they, were, they had said they're, Rumors to be, you know, some of the young guys, whether it be Malcolm Brogdon or Thon Maker, but in reality, the Suns could have never gotten gotten guys of that caliber. So to get, you know, a pick, that's great. Uh, but I think the real worry is that the the Suns haven't shown to know what to do with any of the assets they have. So I think that's the bigger problem. But you know, they made out as best as they could. I think. You know, would you guys agree, or what? What? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's one of those bittersweet things for Phoenix because, I mean, at, I, I heard this one today that back when the Kyrie stuff started, there was a rumor that it would be Bledsoe in that first they used on Jackson to get Kyrie, which 
you start thinking it like that and it, <laughs> you know, very different scopes, but it was a messy situation. They've got a player who's kind of rejuvenated his career a little bit in Milwaukee and Greg Monroe. It's, he's kind of the surprising piece in this, right? Cause we, there've been talks of him moving for a little while, but I actually saw something. And again, Tom, you're my stats guy, but I think he has the best plus minus on the team or something of that nature. I think it's better than Giannis. Um, again, I, I don't have the actual stat to back that up, but they, they did all right. And I, you know, we kind of, we didn't give Bledsoe much love. He, you know, it's a lot of empty stats. We're assuming 21, six and five or whatever it was last year. Um, I don't know. The thing I did here today was, you know, when you think Milwaukee, you think all those long guys and I totally forgot Bledsoe, Bledsoe's got a six, seven wingspan for a six, one guy. So if he does start to figure it out, um, you know, it could be something good. I don't know. I don't know where I have them in the East yet. It's it's going to be a – they were saying that Jay Kidd is now in the hot seat a little bit. But Phoenix did okay. Milwaukee, not great, but a move you have to do if you're, if you're them. You still get a much better basketball player. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I have a hard time trusting anything that the Suns do. I mean, they just kind of devalued uh, uh, Eric Bledsoe just as much as possible before they traded him. Last year, they shut him down while he was having a career year this year, they pretty much did everything in their power to make sure he was miserable. And uh, I mean, he just, he obviously was not trying based on the performances in the first couple of games there when the Suns got blown out and how much better they've been playing after, um, you know, they, they shut down Bledsoe and, and got rid of their coach Earl Watson um, on the, on the Greg Monroe front. I really do like him as a player this year, Jake, I did pull up the stat. They have actually been uh, two points, 100 possessions better with Monroe on the bench so maybe last year's was the stat you were thinking of but I mean yeah I think at this point Monroe going to the Suns I, I like him as a player I don't think Phoenix needs any more big men right like they they drafted a bunch of young bigs they've got Marquise Chris Dragon Bender they've got uh, Alex Len eating up minutes uh, Tyson Chandler is playing a lot it's just I, I don't know where Monroe's gonna get his minutes and he'll, he's kind of just salary filler at this point. Um, we'll see how that how that pick turns out. But um, it, what's probably more interesting, unless you guys have any more on the Sun side, I, is the more interesting part of this is, is how it's going to impact the Bucks. So um, I, I'm curious what you guys think. Does this actually make Milwaukee a contender in the East? I, I, sh I struggled with this because I think, you know, Jake, you brought up a really good point of, you know, kind of the length of – all the players in the Bucks um, starting five in their roster, and, and you think that would equate to a good defensive team, you know. But what's interesting is so you know this year they're 25th in defensive rating. You know, last year they were 19th in defensive rating, and the year before that 23rd. So you have all these big guys who would, in theory, be good defenders, and they're not. And you, know, I wouldn't say that Eric Bledsoe is a plus defender either. So. You know, what I worry is that you know they got a guy who can score twenty points in, in the league, which is always a, a nice thing to have. But does it make them a better team? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think the I don't think they're better than Boston. You know, I think they may be, you know, somewhere in the three, you know, two, three, four range. But winning the East, I think it's a little too early to say. You know, what about what about you, Jake? Yeah, I, I heard a couple people saying that they're clearly a top three in the East right now. I'm not fully bought in on that. 
Tom, the, the stat that I totally, totally blew was last year, Milwaukee outscored opponents by 3.7 points per 100 with Monroe on the court. They were minus 2.2 per 100 with him on the bench. So that was um, wor- worse than Giannis. That was the stat I was going for. So, I mean, if you're the Bucks, yes, you added this long point guard that was kind of an awkward spot on this team. You know, they made the MCW, Michael Carter-Williams trade a couple years back looking for that long point guard. That was a fail and kind of, everyone kind of secretly knew <laughs> no, no offense to your Sixers food, but that was, talk about empty stats. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I'm viewing it more as a, this year's going to be a really, you know, get Bledsoe into the fold, try to see what they can do, see what works. I don't have them as a threat in the East yet. I would say I think they're building up for next year, right? I think that's the money year. I think they want to get Jabari back healthy. That his contract situation is going to be interesting. And I, this is a team that doesn't want to go into the luxury tax because they're still a small market. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think they're building up for their kind of year next year to really go after it. And I, the, the only, the last thing I want to say about the Suns, which I think this trade's a little to be decided, like you said, they're, they've got a, <laughs> a glutton of bigs, kind of a bad glutton of bigs almost. I think, and we, hey, the Suns, <laughs> the Suns are what, four and five right now? So they're doing slightly better than we thought. If, if they can turn... <sighs> You know, it, it starts into flipping assets, right? It's the trade that leads to the trade. Are they – I've heard they're falling out of love with Marquis Chris. Are they going to bail on him and try to turn him into something else? Can they flip Monroe, who's a productive player, into uh, another asset or something like that? So I think there's still a little t- t- TBD on their end. And I the first-round pick is weirdly protected. It's very certain areas. There's a chance Milwaukee doesn't get this till 2020 or excuse me, Phoenix doesn't. Um, so w- we still have to see on that part. But yeah, for Milwaukee, for me, it's um, they're going to be fun to watch, but I'm no serious expectations till next year, I'd say. See, I, I think I'm more bullish than both of you on this. I think I think that this really does, I think it's a difference maker in the East. Um, one point on on the defense I like the Fuge made, um, the, the Bucks defensively have been pretty poor the last two three years and um, a lot of the analysts I've heard talk about it have, have pointed at Jason Kidd for that saying that he has a very aggressive style of defense where they just like blitz all pick and rolls and they don't, there's just no conservative aspect to it no, no one hangs back to protect the rim so they just give up a lot of they end up like scrambling right away as soon as there's any action and give up a lot of open threes and shots at the rim um, so I haven't I haven't checked the stats to see if that bears out but um, no, I, I think Eric Bledsoe, when he's dialed in and motivated, he's one of the best defensive point guards in the league. He, when he was in L.A. as a Clipper backing up Chris Paul, that was his bread and butter. He, that was, he was a defensive stopper on the perimeter, and he's got the, the wingspan. He's got the strength uh, to switch a little bit. So I, I could definitely see him making a big difference um, in Milwaukee. And also it just gives him another, another rotation guy on the perimeter, right? So it, it, it will move either... Malcolm Brogdon or Tony Snell to the bench give another you know more depth in the backcourt for uh, for the second unit. I I was going to feed you this one, Tom, because it's one of the sexy NBA terms. Uh, talk about potential death lineups. You know, if they go, what is it? Letzo, um, Snell, Parker, 
Giannis and Brogdon? Middleton. Or yeah, take oh, out Snell oh, yeah. and put, put in Brogdon. I mean, you know, that that was a sexy term for two and a half years with Golden State now. They've they've got theirs, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. No, it's definitely very switchable and um and offensively, I think Bledsoe is going to be a huge help too. I think one one thing that uh, that some teams fail to do in, when it comes to the playoffs is to be able to score in a, in a variety of different ways. And so I know last year the Bucks were the second worst pick and roll offense in the league. Um, Eric Bledsoe last year in his career year was one of the best pick and roll point guards in the league. He ran it. He ran the ninth most pick and rolls of anybody and he and that was despite being shut down early and only playing 66 games he was in the 88th percentile of pick and roll ball handlers so he's he's a very good pick and roll point guard and um it just gives milwaukee another option to to, to be able to throw at teams and come playoff time because we saw in the houston Rockets series last year against san antonio they didn't have a variety of offenses they had threes and layups and just no mid-range game and it was the death of them uh last year so i i definitely like what bledsoe brings to, to the offense in terms of pick and roll also transition offense he, he likes to push a lot the bucks are really good in transition but uh they just don't do it that much because you know the, they don't have the the personnel for it so so bledsoe should help in that respect too so so you you just picked the bucks to win the east is what i, I heard i'm telling you man i am higher than than both you guys i to win the east is really tough i it's gonna take some while for, take a while for this to gel, but uh, you know, definitely home court in the playoffs and and, and making this tough for uh, for some some of the teams that people probably uh, favor here, like like the Wizards. I think could struggle against this new Bucks team. Um, if there's nothing else on the Bledsoe trade, I think we went pretty pretty deep into that. We can move on to the next segment. We're calling this "Are We Worried Yet." We talked. We touched a little bit on this uh, during the last a lot of basketball pod. But so, so the first thing is: are, are we worried yet about the Cavaliers, guys? They are are really struggling. They have the worst defense in the NBA. Um, their record, I don't have it right in front of me here, but they are below five hundred. And uh, are, are you guys worried yet? Uh, I, I would say it's a cop out, but yes and no. I mean, I think I'm worried because. They are a team of old guys who don't, you know, they usually kind of go through laws of being bad, but, you know, you know, it doesn't seem like a blip on the radar. It kind of seems like uh, the start of kind of something that could be, you know, the norm for them. I think it, they're kind of sleepwalking it, you know, it, the team's not, the team's not good. And I think I, I, I am a little bit more worried than not. Um, I think, you know, whether or not it's LeBron subtweeting, whether it's Dwayne Wade calling out the starters, it doesn't seem like they're really working like a professional team out there, which I, I think is troublesome. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny because we've been telling ourselves you can't be, you can't be. <laughs> you almost want to say like one more week, one more week. I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest and say yes. I, I, I. Tom Stack guy, our worst defense in the league, and I I think one of the things that I, I ended last show with, maybe I didn't, but I, the league's catching up a little bit. I, the other and Tom, I'm just gonna feed your stats because again I have zero. 
But didn't you say that the the old Phoenix Suns, the D'Antoni, Steve Nash, wouldn't their pace of play be 27th in today's NBA or something like that? Yeah, it was something around there. It'd be, it'd be so, towards the bottom of the league. So it's all about, you know, rate of play, rate of play. Um, and, you know, the three ball is the great equalizer. And, man, at the end of the day, I don't know, the Cavs are going to get everybody's best punch because it's Bron Bron. And, man, they're going to throw out some lineups that can't really shoot. I mean, Corver's been hitting his shot this year. Um, I think Kevin Love's been a little below his average. But, I mean, you got some lineups out there, whether it's D. Wade or Rose or whoever it may be, you know. And after you're seeing what Kyrie's doing in Boston, well, what that whole Boston team is doing, yeah, you got to be a little worried about the Cavs. I mean, it's still one of those – you need to see it come playoff time to believe it. And I was digging through some of the old super team stats where um, I think it was LeBron's first year coming back to Cleveland. They were 19 and 20. Uh, his first year in Miami, they were uh, eight, eight and eight, something like that. So you, you don't want to shoot the gun. You know, they're four and six right now. Cleveland's not making the playoffs. No, that's not going to happen. LeBron's been to the finals the past three decades now, something like that. But I'm I'm worried about this team officially. Yeah, Jake, I don't think that's crazy. I mean it's it's a lot of it's just different it's a different group than it was last year. Um the the Cavs last year were second in the league in three point percentage. They took the second most three pointers. This year they're twenty fourth in three point percentage and and you know that's the kind of thing that can that can be pretty variable towards the beginning of the season. Players are knocking rust off. There was a shorter, um, uh, you know, preseason this year. So, so maybe some teams are out of rhythm, but I mean, the, this is just personnel wise, you know, you lose Kyrie Irving and you, you, you trade him for, for in this instance, Derek Rose until it comes back until Isaiah Thomas comes back. It's, I'm also worried about them. And I think it's, not just defensively. I think offensively there there are a lot of question marks too. It, Kevin Love hasn't been a, a solid number two option in a long time. So it Dwayne Wade has looked really the exception of I think one game coming off the bench. Jarrett Smith is shooting like seventeen percent from three, which won't maintain, but you just you never know when a when a team's reign is just done. And uh I it honestly wouldn't surprise me if, if Cleveland they're, I ex- fully expect them to make the playoffs. I it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't weren't even a top four seed though. They just have seemed to really de-emphasize the regular season. It'd be interesting to see what happens when you know. So Tristan Thompson's out right now, um, Shumpert's out, and you know Isaiah Thomas probably out. So once you know at least Thompson and Shumpert come back, I wonder if that helps a little. But I agree, it's it's you know how much is it, of it is effort, how much how much of it is a a deeper seated problem, I think, kind of falling back that like, oh, LeBron's the best player in the league, put him in a seven game series, you know, he's gonna beat these East teams. But to what Jake was saying, you know, and to what we were just talking about, the East is much better. It's it's it may be time for us to say like he's not an automatic lock through to the finals. So and I'm I worried just, about it. <laughs> the the other thing to know in this past week so this past week, LeBron's averaging a casual 39, 7, and 10. But something of note, 
he's playing he played 40 minutes a game this past week in the NBA that's all about rest and this is an aging LeBron I mean you know God forsakes an injury or something like that but I mean just wear and tear if LeBron starts to fade before IT gets it going you're right I mean this you know you play best case scenario worst case scenario you could see this team with a middle seed in the east and find themselves in a tough spot yeah man lebron is playing 38 minutes per game right now is second most in the entire league behind just demarcus cousins so i mean that that goes to show he is uh definitely being asked to carry a huge burden especially for a 32 year old and considering i i heard a stat today that if you combine the minutes minutes he played in the last three postseasons combined it's like playing an additional full regular season so I mean, the, the guy's got some, some wear and tear. He is superhuman, and even come playoff time, I think he'll still be the best player in the league, but you need help, right? Like, it doesn't matter how good you are. You could be LeBron James. You, he's going to need the guys around him to step up, and it, it's a long season. It can happen, but, you know, I, I just, I'm more skeptical now about it than I ever have been, and we could look back on this conversation in April and, you know, be like, I can't believe we were stupid enough to fall for that again, but, you know, we're we're kind of prisoners in the moment here. So I I to answer the question, I am worried yet. And we're gonna keep we're gonna keep playing here. Um are we worried yet about Jimmy Butler? So this year he's averaging fifteen points per game, down from twenty-four last year. He's got five rebounds and four assists per game compared to six and five and a half last year. Um he's doing it in about the same minutes played. It's just it seems like his fit in Minnesota has been kind of murky. His, his role there is he, he's fifth on the team in usage, um, which is shocking compared to last year. He was second on the team behind just Dwayne Wade in Chicago. So I'm curious, are you guys worried about Jimmy Butler's uh, fit in Minnesota so far? Tom, I'm, I'm not, you know, I was, I was bullish coming in on coming into the season on Minnesota. I, I had them as my five seed and I could see I, – so the part that I loved about it was because kind of last year everyone was getting into Minnesota, you know. Cat, Carl Anthony Towns is going to take the leap. Wiggins is going to take the leap. Um, and then it, it didn't happen. And so now you've got these two guys who are supposed to be young superstars in the league. They bring in Jimmy Buckets for arguably a pile of trash and Laurie Markkinen. Those, those are Tom's words, not mine. but. And I, the part that I liked was that, you know, there was that whole Chicago alpha male thing with Jimmy Butler, Rondo, and Wade. And only one of those players was actually in their prime and actually played good basketball. And that was Jimmy Butler. And the thing that I liked was Wiggins, when Wiggins came out of the draft, they said, okay, worst case scenario, this guy's going to be a defensive stopper, long, athletic wing switch them three fours twos all of it and you know by a lot of metrics he was the worst defensive player in the league last year so i said okay bring in jimmy butler you put him on the best defender and say it's a little bit of the lebron Kyrie stuff i'd say you say hey carl anthony towns and wiggins those guys can go get it on offense and if they play 40 minutes a night it still doesn't really take away from their body right now Jimmy Butler can come in do his thing defensively get what he can on offense and kind of 
fit into this team. And that's where I think the appeal on guys like him, him and Paul George this offseason was that these guys could fit on any team, right? Because they can play defense. You don't necessarily need to feed them the ball, but if you do, they still get productive buckets. So I don't know. I, I'm not worried. I know there's some funky stats out there. They're kind of the inverse thunder right now. Uh, the, if you look at some of the advanced stats, the thunder should have a few more wins and the T-Bulls should have a few more losses. But I would right now I'm looking at it as a positive. Like they've, they've kind of survived a couple games. They actually had that buzzer beater against OKC. So I'm, I'm in on it right now. Um, and we'll see how it develops. He also had the flu for a little bit. That's kind of an underrated thing. So I, I'm looking at it as a positive thing right now. Big, you mentioned funky stats. I've got a couple for you. If you're, I, you know, I don't want to go too nerdy here, but uh, that's kind of my role. So I'm just going to embrace it. Um, the Timberwolves right now, this year, are averaging the second most shots allowed in the restricted area per game. They're, they're allowing 30 about 31 shots in the restricted area per game, which is the second most. And obviously that's not a good sign for your defense. But in terms of rim protection, they're also third worst in protecting the rim. So they're, they're allowing teams to score at about 68% in the restricted area. That's third worst in the league. So it's really hard to, to build a good defense when you're so vulnerable, just letting teams get into the restricted area and score at will there. But in their defense... And I'm gonna from the mid range, which is like the most the least efficient shot in basketball. They are making teams shoot a lot of mid range jump shots, and that's usually a quality of a good defense. But teams are shooting 49% from the mid range on them this year, which is by far the best in the league. So, you know, a lot of that is just pure luck, to be honest, and like a, a, a small sample thing, right? Like the best team in the league last year. Like in terms of like um, giving up field goal percentage in the mid range was like forty two percent. So um, th- this that's not sustainable. Is my point. Like th- that'll come back down to earth. Teams are, are going to stop lighting up the mid range on the on the Timberwolves. But I know, I guess that's the thing that has me optimistic, Tom. I mean, all these stats look terrible right now, and they're still a top team in the West. <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny, right? You, they're <laughs> they're giving up. Buckets around the tin, mid-range buckets. Jimmy Butler's not playing well. And this team's still a top seed in the Western Conference right now. Again, 10-game sample or whatever it is. But I don't know. If the wins keep on coming, Jimmy Butler gets better, and a couple of these other things you know, turn around, you find yourself in a hot streak, and now everyone's on the baby wolves. So, Jake, be honest. Did I go too far with those stats? Was that too nerdy, or are we, are we still good? You'll never get too nerdy for me, Tom. That's why I I usually go before you or after you to bring it right back down to earth because usually yeah. the English language will leave me for periods of time. So, well, You know I appreciate that. Um, I, I should inform the listeners, we lost Chris Fujimoto. Fuji is out. No. <laughs> yeah, he dropped the call, and that is okay because we're going to soldier on here. Good. Um, I should also note at this time, I should mention at the top, that this was the first podcast where we were all drinking beers. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that, think, maybe that's why we lost. I think it's related. I, I gotta say, <laughs> that's, that was a mistake on our end. We should not have let Foods drink on the pod, but he uh, might pop back. We'll see. Yeah, I just yeah, just reinvited him. But you know, we'll we'll keep going here, Jake. I think you and I can yeah. still throw out some takes. 
Always. Um, one more are we worried yet, and that's about the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are they have a four and five record. They're currently sitting twelfth in the West, and they just I've watched them play a couple times, and they just look really inconsistent. So I, I'm curious, are you worried about them? I'm I'm actually going to say no here, which I I think might be a little bit of a surprise to you. I mean, you're meshing three superstars. I mentioned the stats earlier from the other quote-unquote super teams that kind of formed. This team's going to need some time, especially with Russ and Melo being high output, high output guys. Is that a term? Um, Melo's not shooting great from three yet this year. They've had a couple bad break games. Uh, like I mentioned, the T-Wolf game. Melo got ejected the other night, which was really weird. Where, where, where do you stand on that? Do you think Melo should have got tossed there? Did you see that? I saw it. I mean, he probably could have gone out of his way to to not throw his elbow in the guy's face. A flagrant one would have done the job. I, I don't I don't think if they called a flagrant one, it would have gotten upgraded. So, yeah, I, I don't think an ejection was appropriate there. Right. It's, I, I've been flip-flopping on that because I think it's one of those early in the season, they kind of want to set the tone on it. So I get that part of it. Sure. But at the same time, taking Carmelo out of the game in the third, fourth quarter or whatever, that's pretty brutal. So, but yeah, all, all around with the Thunder, I mean, I think they're, I think they have the third best defense in the league right now, something like that. Uh, Steven Adams has been playing really well, which uh, he kind of got lost in the sauce a little bit last year. Some people suspected injuries, this, that, and the other. Man, he can really be a force on defense. That's a guy, that's a passionate big man. And when Russ does his thing, he is kind of the perfect role guy or whatever you want to call it. He he goes hard to the basket, and he's looking to finish with authority. So, I mean, th- this is a team that's going to have to figure it out a little bit. I I think the ancillary piece is my favorite word to say on the show. Uh, Roberson's been pretty tough so far this year, which is like half surprising but not surprising. But I don't know. I think OKC is going to be one that, A, they need to make it mesh a little more. And if they if they really want to be a part of this thing, they need another body. Because it seems like every lineup they throw out there, there's just one guy that you're like, ah. I mean, Raymond Felton, has, who's been lighting it up this year, so we'll give Ray a little love. But, like, right now, he would be, like, their best option to finish a game. I guess they'd go offense, defense, him and Roberson. But I don't know. Right, Right there, that still kind of says something to me. So – I'm I'm not worried yet. I I'm going to give them a couple more weeks to mesh, but in the West you have to be careful if you do bury yourself in the standings. And I'll make one quick point there. Um, you mentioned the some funky stats earlier, Jake. And right now the Thunder have the third best net rating in the league, behind just the Warriors and the Celtics. So right now they're outscoring teams by six point six points per hundred possessions. And usually over the course of a season, if you look at a team's net rating, that correlates with their record. Like if you have a better net rating, you'd have a better record. So the fact that they are 12th in the West and with the third best net rating in the entire league is just, it's an anomaly that's going to level out at some point, if I were to guess. I'm also on your side. I'm not worried about the Thunder quite yet. Um, I should also alert our listeners that, that Fuge is back. Fuge, welcome welcome back. Hey guys, sorry, sorry I got out for a little bit, but That I'm beer here. got to you, huh? You blamed it on the beer. Oh. So drunk, blacked out for a little bit. <laughs> well, well Fuji, any any thoughts on the Thunder uh, before we before we move on? Or are you uh, you comfortable with how we left that? 
Unless you guys are talking crap about me, I think I'm comfortable with how you left it. Okay, then you should not be comfortable. <laughs> do not do not listen to this <laughs> when we uh, when we put it up. So the next, so we're done with the "Are we worried yet?" segment, and we're moving on to overreaction. Overreaction. We're ten games into the season. It's time to overreact a little bit. Um, and the first thing I want to do here is I want to hear you guys redraft the top five draft picks from the 2017 uh, draft. I, I heard Bill Simmons and Tom Haberstrow did this on his pod. Uh, they just did the top three. I want to do top five. I, I, just was, I think it's a, an interesting conversation given how many rookies have looked so good um, and also just kind of how Markel Fultz has, has looked and his injury status. So, um, Food, you're, you're just getting warm again. I'll, I'll go back to you. What a, If you are to redraft this, I know you're a 76ers fan, so you might be a little biased, but, but where, how would you go? Well, I think it's, you know, this is, I, I look at it based on performance, certainly not necessarily considering the fit for teams, because I still maintain that, you know, Fultz probably you know, would still be the best fit for the Sixers, but you can't ignore how, you know, in one, I think he's looked great. You know, certainly it helps that he's fit into a, you know, a you know, strong team, but I, I think he's played very, 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 very strong. Um, second, you know, I think it's, I'd go uh, Laurie Markkinen. Uh, third, I would go. Let me pull, let's see what's up here. I'd go uh, Kyle Kuzma. Time out. Was that was right. that was that marketing two hole? Yeah, man. Sixteen and nine. You gotta you gotta you know, respect the hustle. I love that. So and then and then rounding out my top five, I'd probably go um, Donovan Mitchell fourth, and then Dennis Smith Jr. fifth. You know, I think the, both those two guys. You know, even though they. You, they performed a little bit better than I thought they would this year. And in both instances, their upside, you know, is really, really strong or really, really high. So I think they, they're kind of like a big upside pick, even though they performed well out the gate. Uh, Tatum, Markkinen, uh, Kuzma, Mitchell, Smith, totally overreacting. Yeah. Holy smokes. <laughs> Tom, I, I want I want to hear you after that. That I I didn't expect any of that. Man, I am I have been shifting my top five, just constantly since we've been doing this pod. I've been barely even listening to anybody because I've been shuffling my rookies. I have no idea how to redraft this thing. Like, the, I, I noticed Fuj Fuj left Fultz out of his top five. Is that right? I did. I think. I mean, you're. It, it's what you said in the beginning. Everyone else is so has looked you know, passable in a way that it's like, you know, in the, this overreacting exercise, I think I could find five guys that I'd want better or want more than Fultz, but still love them. Don't, you know, don't like, don't take this out of context. Sixers fans down the road when Fultz is killing it for us. So. And all right. So I'm just going to go with what I, what I have here food. You and I agreed on one. So Jason Tatum is my number one pick. He's averaging 14 points, six and a half boards. He's shooting over 50% from the field, better than 52% from three, uh, and 82% from the free throw line through 11 games. And just it's not just offensively, though, which everyone kind of figured he'd be kind of uh, one of the more polished players. He's playing almost 32 minutes per game on the best defense in the league on a, on a very important position, like at a very important position um, in the wing spot. Like, you you can't say like 
you criticize all these young teams for being so bad at defense, like the Timberwolves are so bad at defense because they're young and they rely on these young guys. But Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, these are young guys that the Celtics absolutely lean on, and they're the best defense in the league. So Tatum is is definitely in my one spot. Two, I am just I'm lost on. I don't even know where to go with two. And I'll tell you who I wrote down, and you guys are gonna hate this. I went De'Aaron Fox. Okay. He's averaging uh, he's no. averaging 13 <laughs> points per game, five assists, four boards. About he's only shooting 41 percent from the field, which is pretty bad. But he's shooting 66 percent in the restricted area, which is by far the best among rookie guards. It's like puts Dennis Smith Jr. to shame. He's like at 51 percent. Fox just like has a nose for the for the rim. Like he he gets there, he finishes. He's he's very strong for his size, and Honestly, he's one of the rookies I've just watched a lot of, and he is so impressive on tape. He's so fast, so quick with the ball. And um, even though he's only shooting, I mean, he's barely shooting at all from three, and when he does, it's ugly. But his free throw percentage is, is good. It's very good. So that's usually indicative of, of uh, having some stroke in the future. Yep, so enough on Fox. Fox is my two. Enough, justif- enough uh, justifying that. Three, I went Laurie Markkinen. I did. Yes. I know I know Jake loves him. I did not as a draft pick. I, I think I kind of shit on that a little bit. I wanted to put the explicit tag on this one. Yes. But, uh, I mean, yeah, he's averaging 16 points, nine boards. He's shooting 38% on more than seven threes a game. I watched him play a full game against the Spurs, and he just – he really picked apart San Antonio's big men. Like he can play. Like you, you had the Spurs playing two traditional bigs in Pau Gasol and Lamarcus Aldridge, and neither one of them wanted to get out and chase him around. And when they did, when he did, like Markkinen would just throw a pump fake and drive, and he he can put the ball on the deck too. So, um, I I haven't, I don't have an opinion on him defensively yet, but Markkinen's my three. I've got Kuzma at four. He's averaging fifteen points, six boards shooting 56% from the field. Again, I'm going to go with a restricted area stat. He's shooting 80% in the restricted area. That is just a little worse than LeBron, who's the best in the league, and just a little better than Anthony Davis. So, Yeah, Tom, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut you off there because Kuzma's, Kuzma's the whole wild card in this, right? It's, it's still a lot of the top names, and Kyle Kuzma, who it's, it's funny, my, my new thing, and I, I heard a – SVP and Rosillo got back together today. One of my favorite sports talk tandems. If you get a chance, listen to them. Because, yeah, I should be giving them recommendations. But it's it's funny how the media can twist it, right? Because everyone was talking about how Kyle Kuzma is this, you know, hyper-athletic guy, can do a lot of things on the court, you know. And there's been a lot of Kyle Kuzma types that go at that part of the draft, right? Because it's kind of the end of the first round. You're like, well – we might as well take the most talented guy we can and hope it works out. And for Kyle Kuzma, it is working right out right now in the summer league this season. I'm not bought in yet. I mean, I'm bought in over Brandon Ingram as I've bleeped on him on the podcast before, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not bought in yet. I think it's a lot of opportunity. I think he's running hot right now. And I, I think the rest of the field's going to come back. And I, that's that you said. Just it, it made me have to talk because I, it's <laughs> for right now, it's not sustainable. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. 80% from the restricted area is not sustainable, but he does have a lot of touch, a lot of craft. He just, yeah, he looks more polished than I think anybody would have expected. And then wings are just, like, he's 6'9", he's 220 pounds, he's got, like, he's huge. And, like, he moves pretty well, he shoots the three ball okay, he's shooting 33% on threes. He looks comfortable doing it. But wings are hard to come by, man. Like, that, that is a, it's a tough position, and it's a valuable one, so... That's why I've got Kuzma four, and then I put Donovan Mitchell five. Um, I know Fuj, where did you put Mitchell? Did you put him at five as well? I had him at four, I believe. I, four, I had Smith yeah. Junior. I had Smith at five. Yeah, I, it was really tough leaving out Smith Junior. And even Frank Nilakina was was a uh, close to to making my list. I I really loved what he did in that Pacers game. I gotta say, I know. Uh, Jake's a, a huge Knicks fan. No, no, no. But, uh, I, I wasn't going to mention that guy at all. Were you not? We'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> we're we're going to get to yours here in a second. But Donovan Mitchell, he's averaging about almost 14 points per game, just two boards, two assists. He's shooting 35% on five threes a game. Um, he Overall, he's shooting pretty poorly from the field, but I saw his mostly on mid-range shots. He's just not connecting. I, I think that'll probably change at some point. But and most of all, he just plays great defense, and he's a winning player. Like, he's – Got a, a positive plus minus on a on a pretty solid team, which is rare for rookies. So um, Mitchell was my guy beating out uh, Dennis Smith Jr. for that five spot. But Jake, I'm going to you. Redraft yeah. for me. Overreact. I'm, and I'm I'm gonna overreact. I'm gonna skip Bayless the hell out of this. It's because I'm not gonna get enamored with the stats right now. I mean, it's we're ten games. They're rookies, and for for some of the things you guys gave love for, I'm going to actually penalize. I'll start with Tatum. Tatum's getting coached by the best dude in the league. I mean, Stevens is climbing the ranks fast if he's not already there. I, I mean, I, I, I heard him getting some crazy comparisons today, and I think he's just a good coach, good team. So I'm actually going to penalize him for that player-wise, which is unfair, good. but good. That's how I'm going about it. Man. I love Markkanen. I love Frank Nitalikina. I guess I'm going to start scouting European basketball. If you had to ask me a number, the number one guy from this class, man, let, let me jump in front of the bus. Give me Lonzo. This, this, this guy is special. I, I know. Let's go. There the, we go. The shooting's not there, right? Shooting That's 29%. <laughs> is that, is that the, is that the number right now? But he's still doing, I mean, borderline wizardry with the passes he can do. And, again, this is a team that we're talking about, what, Kyle Kuzma being <laughs> their, their go-to scorer? You know, I, I think Kyle Kuzma should get some – some of his love is Lonzo Ball. And I think some of their young guy chemistry and what Lonzo can do is setting him up to be in a good position – I'm I'm going Lonzo one man. I I think because shooting develops for rookies, right? Or it it at least gets better. I don't know where Lonzo lands. I I know his shot's ugly right now. He probably goes through a year where it gets reworked, and it's going to be a pivot year where he talked to some shooting guru. If he starts the year shooting well, he's good. If he doesn't, he's not a shooter anymore, and that's going to be a big thing for him. But I think it comes around for him. And man, he's a special passer. He's been grabbing rebounds. I'm I'm still in on Lonzo. Um, if Leangelo's listening, he's in a Chinese prison right now. I don't know if you guys heard that. Well, we're we're, we're not going to deep dive into that. But the Ball brothers, I'm all in on the balls. 
Um, give me them with the first three picks. No. Um, make it four with LeVar. But so I, I like what I've seen from Lonzo. Oh, God. Jay, can I make one point on Lonzo real quick? Because you said, you said the please, shooting please. isn't there, and I just want to throw a stat <laughs> out there. I want to throw a stat out there that really illustrates how badly the shooting is not there. So there have been this year 76 players to take at least 100 shots. 76 players. Lonzo yes. Ball ranks dead last in effective Bingo. field goal percentage. Yeah, Effective field goal percentage of 38.6. So that means he's shooting 23.9 on threes yep. and 40.7 on twos. So, yeah, so dead last. The, the second worst is Kent Bazemore at 42%. So he's actually dead last by a lot. Um, I love Kent Bazemore, too. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Lonzo Ball shouldn't be your number one either. I just wanted to put some perspective on just how poor he's been shooting. It's 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 only up from here. I I get it. I I can see. You know, this is supposed to be the overreaction, and I'm kind of I'm gonna overreact about the other stuff because I think the shooting can come along. The way he passes, that can't be taught. So I think the shooting comes along. I this guy's gonna be a triple double threat. Um, when it's said and done, again, this is if we're redrafting. I, if it's just this season, uh, give me what, what's the isn't there a Mike James? Is that the guy in the sun who's a 26 year old rookie? That guy's playing decent point guard, but um, I don't know. I'm we've given Markin in his love. I guess I could throw him in the two slot for now. Um, God, I, I like I like what you said about Fox. He's currently leading that team. I know they're not doing good things, but what he's going to develop into is pretty special. I got to give Frank, Frank Lakina some love. He's, he's just been entertaining to watch when that the first game happened this year in Oklahoma city, he was shook. It was not pretty. Um, airballed his first two shots and you're like, Oh boy, what have we done? We've drafted another Frederick Weiss shout out to Knicks nation. But this guy has been playing special basketball, and Tom, you're my defense guy as well as my stats guy. He's been playing good defense, especially for a 19-year-old in the league. And Jake, I'll, I'll be honest, I, haven't, I hadn't gotten to see a lot of Frank before this Pacers game, and uh, I was blown away by his defense. Not just on the ball, it was off the ball. He made life a living hell for Darren Collison. Collison didn't even want the ball at, like, at the end of the game. He yeah. was trying to get rid of it. Um, I, Frankie was just hounding him. And then Frank was also like helping off and getting steals, getting into passing lanes um, because he knows he has the length and speed to, and instincts to recover. It's um, I, I got to say, I was skeptical of the pick. I've, I'd heard so much great stuff about Dennis Smith Jr. But um, uh, Frank was really impressive. And I'm going to do a, a deep, I'm going to write an article for a lot of basketball. Uh, check it out on a lot of basketball.com. I'm going to do a real deep dive into Frankie uh, Smokes here and see. Just like, how good is he? You know what I'm saying? Love so it. We'll see. I love it. Um, and he's, it, it's just been a treat to watch. I mean, partially because of the other Knicks point guards, but he's done some special passes in his size. And again, if we're, if we're redrafting, I, I think he would move up the board. I guess, I guess, I don't know if he'd be in that four slot, but he would slide up the board. The other name that I have to mention, just because he hasn't been mentioned at all, Zach Collins in Atlanta. If, if you're a league passer or you're, looking for a game to watch one of these nights. Man, he's a fun dude to watch. He's a tall guy with pogo sticks for legs. And he's pulling down boards, too. I, 
he's he's around 10 and 10 stat wise i might have just made that up but for what he's doing as a rookie big man and some of the dunks he's gone for are are freaky stuff so i'm Again, I'm not saying I'm taking him. I, you you got to take Tatum somewhere in there. That's probably a little New York bias coming out. But John Collins is a dude who, if he's not on your radar and you're looking for guys of the future, um, he's he look he looks like he has some special talents. All right, guys. Well, it is 9 p.m. Eastern Standard, so I'm running low on time over here. But I want to get one more quick take from you guys. Uh, Dame Lillard hit a game winner against the Lakers this past week and he has been lights out in crunch time so far this year. He scored the most points in the clutch per NBA.com. He's shooting 58% from the field. He's 17 of 17 on clutch free throws. Um, And I I saw some speculation that he was the best clutch player in the league right now. So let's overreact. I'm curious. You guys are down by two with – call it 24 seconds left who would you want to be your your go-to guy in isolation to uh to either win it or tie it to go to overtime Fuj, i'll go to you yeah i think i i knew all those stats said about dame but like didn't real really realize his impact in crunch time but for me it 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 has been for the last few years and it, it is it's kevin durant i think you get a guy who's you know and kind of for me, it comes down to well, is it good? I'd rather have like a guy who's like a wing getting cut that kind of shot because you can you you may get a defensive mismatch on him and he may have a lot more shots available to him than a guard would. But yeah, don't have the stats back it up. But I, I've always been a Kevin Durant in the clut or in the crunch time kind of guy. Yeah, and Durant's a great answer, Fuj. I mean, he can because you're thinking about okay, you want to get if you get a three ball to win it, yeah, hit it, win the game. If but he's you, you feel like he's got the offensive conscious to bring it down low if he has to get the two, go to overtime, and go from there. I'm I'm gonna mix it up. Durant's a great answer. Hey, and I just I took love away from some Celtics. I'll give it right back. How about Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving's probably I, I shouldn't say he's the best one-on-one player in the league. Tom would eat me up for that, I think. But he's he's got he's got the best handles in the league, in my opinion. In in isolation, if you're the defender, that's just a nightmare. I mean, you know this guy's got tricks up his sleeve that one false move, not only can he beat you, but he could drop you. And you'll you'll be a sports center highlight real quick. But he also hit the game winning three in game seven of the finals. So I I'll I'll give Boston and Kyrie some love, which hey, you know, talk about a guy sneaking up the MVP race. If if the Celts get the one seed, we we talked about it at the beginning of the year. But uh give me some Kyrie right now. I like that answer. That's a good answer, Jake. You know, Jake, I'm going to surprise you here. That was actually going to be my answer. We probably should have talked a little bit about it beforehand. <laughs> well, wait, let me take I, – I retract it. Laurie Markkinen. <laughs> Laurie Markkinen, that's your guy. Um, I mean, Irving has scored the second most points in the clutch so far this year. He's, he's a plus – he and his team are plus 19 when he plays clutch minutes. He's shooting 54% from the field. Um so he's got yeah, thirty six points and seven assists in in crunch time. And, um, and Tom, I'll, I'll I, he's amazing. You're making, you're making me laugh. I I was actually going to say Durant, but Fuj said it, <laughs> so that's where I was spinning off that. So the one thing we didn't coordinate on, we stepped all over each other. But I guess let let me pass on that topic to you. 
I mean, are those guys the clear one too? Durantula and Kyrie? I mean, should Lillard be in that conversation? Who are we missing? I mean, probably missing LeBron just because of his ability to get to the basket and draw fouls. Um, Giannis is trying to get himself into that conversation, but you just it, it feels like in crunch time you want guys who can shoot, right? Who can who can turn over one shoulder, fade away, and hit a, hit a shot uh, with a lot of consistency. But I mean, Giannis and LeBron's ability to get to the rim on just anybody and get a good shot over anybody it's it's kind of unparalleled. So I think those two belong in the conversation. Um, and then and Dame's probably on a tier just below, you know, but. Yeah, it's funny. We all kind of pick the same guys. I guess it just means we're we're meant to meant to pod together, huh? No. Well, I hate to get sentimental here, but I, I've had a full beer, so <laughs> that'll do it. All right, guys. Well, uh, is is there anything else you wanted to, to chat about before we wrap this up? No, I'm good. A lot of good discussion here on a lot of basketball. Man, I I would just say if you're getting into this NBA season, check out right now four through twelve in the West is about a game apart, which is a lot of fun. Again, that's going to separate out, but it might not either. Um, and man, a team and a player we didn't mention all podcast: James Harden in the Rockets, current one seed in the West. What did he go for the other night? Fifty six. Yeah, I believe. And it's just kind of Chris Paul's hurt you know, who we consider one of the top point guards in the game. And and this team's still doing it, and he's still doing it. It seems like he he, he kind of doesn't get the love, and it's probably because some of his defensive liabilities. But, man, he's he's doing special stuff. And we, we just went, what, an hour podcast and didn't mention his name once and the one seed in the toughest conference. Yeah, definitely took Harden for granted a little bit on this pod. We'll, we'll, we'll show him some love in the next one because he's definitely looking like an MVP candidate. Uh, he put up 54 the other night and and accounted, I think, for 90 of his team's points when you include assists. So, um, yeah, he's he's a total stud and also in that clutch conversation. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll talk right. about him next time. We didn't we didn't we didn't mention him at all. The dude gets to the line most in the game and is one of the best scorers. It's true. Yeah, we didn't mention him. Yep. But uh, other than that, I think you guys should check us out at Talking Knicks as well. It's another podcast we do where we just focus just on the Knicks. Um, some of us are on that one. We're also joined by Kenny Poon, Greg Poon on Talking Knicks, and Kevin McGovern for a lot of basketball. I'm Tom Piccolo. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, guys. Thank you.